Hi, we're back with another episode of Topic Talk this month. Joining me once again are Jenna and Bentley, my co-hosts, and a special guest, Damaris, is joining us as well. We'll be talking about body image this month, our earliest recollections about our own bodies, and what that had to tell us about what we told ourselves, about what society has told us. And we also talk about how those messages, both internal and external, have carried through our lives to where we are today. I hope you enjoy this episode. We had a great time talking with each other, and we will be back next month with another episode of Topic Talk. Stories. We all have them. They're the compilation of your journey from where you started to how you ended up where you are today. Titanium Blonde is all about sharing women's stories. The good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful, and everything in between all of that. I'm Sherry Eckert. This is Titanium Blonde Talks. And I'd like to know, what's your story? This episode is brought to you by Squadcast. As a podcaster, one of the most important things when recording remote interviews is the quality of our guest audio. Current solutions, like Skype and Zoom, are dependent on the quality of the internet signal. Squadcast is a simple browser-based tool that requires no additional software to install. The audio is recorded locally as high-quality WAV files, then magically uploaded to the guest's computer. All files are kept in sync with zero audio drift, which makes editing a breeze. We've been using them for a few weeks now and love the experience. To get started, go to squadcast.fm for your free 14-day trial. That's squadcast.fm. Hello, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks. We are once again back to do another episode of Topic Talks. And coming back again today are my co-hosts, Jenna and Bentley. And we are adding a surprise guest today, Damaris. And let me just tell you a little bit about her. She spends her days working in IT business development, but she spends the rest of her time passionately trying to make the world a better place. From volunteering with organizations that help women help themselves better their lives, to rescuing pit bulls and always being there for her tribe, she is truly a woman's woman. Welcome, Damaris. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I'm so honored to be here. And just in case you forgot about Bentley and Jenna, they're both yoga instructors. Bentley is a grad student and... She is rocking a lot of things in her life these days after a major life transition in the last couple of years, and she's come out more badass than how she went through the door. So welcome, (laughs) badass Bentley. Thank you. And Jenna is my inspiration and muse for this particular series, and I am so thankful for her input and her willingness to go on this journey with me. I know that when I asked her to do her original interview, it was stepping way outside of her comfort (laughs) zone, and here she is for interview number three. So she's getting to be an old pro at this. Thanks, ladies, for joining me. Today, we are going to be talking about body image. And this is just going to be a free flowing conversation with people sharing things that have happened in their life around body image, about how they feel about their body, about various points in time. So let's just kind of start with what's sort of the first time in your life that you have some sort of memory about your body and whether it was negative or positive? I'll start. (laughs) Um, Mine was very specifically related to my nose. And it's something that really, 
I don't want to say traumatized, but it really affected the way that I saw myself. Starting when I was in probably, I want to say probably middle school is when I remember it the earliest. And just being made fun of for the size of it, for the shape of it. And then um, also my teeth. I had pretty, pretty janky teeth (laughs) when I was younger. (laughs) I had quite a few extra teeth that just didn't fit in my mouth. So my biggest insecurities were around my nose and my teeth right there in the middle of my face. Okay. That's interesting to see that that's where you started with was where your face was with your face instead of other parts of your body. Yeah. So anybody else have anything they'd like to share? I'll go ahead. Mine was when I was, (laughs) sorry, babe. When I, about the same age, Jenna in middle school, I was very, and I don't make a lot of friends saying this, but very, very tall and very, very skinny. (laughs) I didn't really grow into my body or get any sort of shape until I, gosh, probably even like end of high school, but I had very long legs. And there was this idiotic rule in my public school that I went to where, and I'm sure this still exists, where, right, you have to put your arms down by your side and your shorts have to be as long as your fingers. And I have the wingspan of an eagle. So my arms went down to my knees, essentially, and I had freakishly long legs. And I remember getting called to the principal's office and the principal was like, you have to put longer pants on, like longer shorts on or wear pants. I go, I don't remember how old I was, 11. I'm like, they don't make shorts this long. It's not my fault. I'm tall and I'm being punished for the fact that I just happened to be freakishly tall as a middle schooler with long legs. And I don't like felt this sense of shame for having long skinny legs and they're telling me to cover it up when I had nothing, I didn't do anything wrong, honestly. And so I was feeling very shameful, but it was wonderful because my mother had my back, which was amazing. And she comes (laughs) storming into the school because they made me sit in the health office because they wouldn't let me return to class. And my mom shows up and she's like, great, you want to take her shopping? Find shorts that fit her. Like, I don't, she's going back to class, essentially, was how my mom treated it. So at that moment, I was proud that I had my mom defending me, but I felt very shameful for showing my legs. Yeah, go mom. For showing Mm -hmm. my legs when I didn't do anything wrong and I'm being forced to cover it up because the boys are, you know, looking. Because the boys can't fucking control themselves. I say that out loud. (laughs) So ridiculous. That's my story. Yeah. That's interesting. Bentley, you bring up a really good point. I was all, well, I wouldn't say my first is middle school, but I want to kind of tag on to your story. I fought the principal on dress code probably every single day in middle school with tank tops and short shorts. I ran for student council president to change the (laughs) dress code because it was so, it was so ridiculous. That's a whole nother topic as well. But it was so ridiculous. Like the body shame. I like this topic because body shaming starts for girls really young. I would say middle school or even younger. And mm-hmm. I was also one of the tallest. I'm, I'm average now. But growing up, I was the tallest. I had size eight feet when I was in like fourth grade. I was taller than all the boys. I had boobs early. So I was distracting with the boobs. And I would say the, the first thing from a body image perspective for me was I was too mature or too developed for the rest of my class. And so the good news is I learned to use my boobs in a way to get what I needed. But on the bad side of it was like, 
you know, you were sexualized as a 14 year old, right? Yeah, or a 12 year old. Yeah. And I remember the first time I remember I was with my um, stepmom in a parking lot uh, at Target or something like that. And this guy walked by and he was probably in his like 20s or 30s and was just staring at me. And she turned around and said, she's effing 12 years old or something like that. And it was the first time that I really remember noticing like, oh, people look at your body that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's just an interesting experiment on the other side of not being ashamed, but necessarily like you, you're sexualized as a woman. Yeah. Like you, I wore a size 10 shoe in third grade. Mm -hmm. was always taller than everybody, especially in middle school. We had a conversation about this in our shame podcast last month about the fact that I couldn't find pants that were long enough for me. Not only that, everybody treated me like I was older than I was. So at 12, when I went to the movies and I was still supposed to, you know, not a teenager and pay whatever the kid rate was, they didn't believe me because I was mm -hmm. too tall. And then I would get unwanted male attention often. Mm -hmm. And I think I was, oh man, maybe 14, maybe 15. And we went to California. We went to Disneyland and what's the other park there? Knott's Universal Berry Farm. Mm -hmm. no, it was Knott's Berry Farm. Mm -hmm. And I walked in oh, with my folks and somebody came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said, we were going to, they were doing some sort of a, a skit kind of a thing. And they <laughs> said, you know, we'd like you to be a part of the skit. Would you be interested in playing a periphery role in the audience? And I was like, well, I have to ask my parents. And they were like, well, we want you to play this guy's girlfriend. And I was like, I'm 15. Oh and they're God. like, yeah, you're, you look so much older. It'll be okay. And it was the most uncomfortable thing I ever did. I don't know oh why it happened other than maybe the guy that was doing it asked for me to be a part of the, you know, oh. I don't know, but it, I, because at 15, I was tall Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really skinny. I've always had this booty with the junk in the trunk. I had <laughs> zero boobs, but it was just, it made me really, really uncomfortable. I was with my parents and I was surprised my parents didn't say, you know, no, that's, that's not okay. Cause yeah. I mean, he sat there with his arms around me and was like kissing my neck and everything. And I was like, I haven't even been out on a date yet. And this guy's like, I'm oh, not quite sure what to do with wow. this. So that sexualization, I found it uncomfortable mm -hmm. more than anything, but I didn't understand it for a very long time and didn't understand why it was okay when I walked down the street for people to make rude comments or, mm -hmm. you know, whistle at me. And it just made me want to shrink down inside of myself because it was so scary, you know, and then to not have any boobs and have all the comments about, you know, the sunken treasure, treasure chest and all that kind of stuff. So I had the opposite of you, Damaris, where I was ridiculed for having no boobs and yeah. I didn't mean to wear, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't even need to wear a bra, a full on aerobics class because there wasn't anything there to bounce. Yeah. yeah. I'm still there. Still there. I'm like, I still, but I consider it a blessing now at this point. Like I'm grateful for the size of my boobs today. Right. When you have kids, they get, I ended up with some boobs after all mm -hmm. of that. And I'll never forget, I was working somewhere and a woman that I had met through work and she came up to me one day and we were talking about boobs or something. And she looked at me and she says, you know what, Sherry, when you get older, they don't get bigger. They just get longer. So be happy. <laughs> Such sound advice. 
Can't wait for that. <laughs> well, and actually, that's an interesting point because I always joke that my 401k is for me to get nip, tuck, plucked, and lifted, you know, <laughs> when I get to a certain age so that I can, like, pay for to keep my body the way it is. But, you know, as I get older, that seems ridiculous. But I always <laughs> joked about that. Like, yeah, lift it and tuck yeah. it, you know. There you go. And you just realize the older that you get, gravity is not your friend. No. I'm just hoping that I can keep my butt as high as it is <laughs> and, until, you know, I'm no longer breathing because yes. I don't want to have to worry about that stuff sliding down the backs of my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do the hip thrust, Jerry. Got to do the hip thrust. I know. I keep watching you do your stuff going, okay, that's, I'm going to have to start doing that stuff to keep the booty lifted because I'm spending too much time sitting on my ass in my chair every day. Yeah. So true. So let's talk about who played sports. Anybody besides me? I mean, like not traditional sport. I was, I was active, but anything that required eye hand or eye foot coordination, <laughs> no, 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 no. I cheer. I cheer. I cheer. I mean, I did cheerleader. I was a cheerleader. I was a horseback rider. I was a swimmer. <laughs> so I was very active, but I didn't play like your stereotypical sports, like yeah. soccer and softball, you know, and stuff like that. Nope, I was a choir girl. So a choir yeah. girl. Oh, yeah. okay. Yes. Well, because I'm just curious about any things that you noticed in high school that could have been around sports or been around any sort of organizations or anything that you were involved with in terms of the coaching staff or the adults that were in the room. Ooh, God, you I know, so much of high school out. <laughs> right. Yeah, That's like, a reason. Well, I'll take that. I, you know, so I was in what we called show choir. So there were levels of choir and ours was like the performance go on the road performing, you know, um, two seasons, that sort of thing. And we weren't allowed to like eat dairy in the holidays, like no dairy because of phlegm, but it was also, right. I'm sure for image, there was no shame. I don't think in the outfits, except for when we had to wear really disgusting, like frumpy clothes. And I hated that because I was like, well, what are we, you know, doing that was embarrassing, but I would say from the most part, like for a choir, there wasn't a lot of sh body shaming there. I don't think. I can't remember any mm -hmm. of that. I think we were probably the last generation to not have to see it so much as like kids do these days because everything is on, mm -hmm. everything is available yeah. online. Yeah. Thank God. I know. Well, I just, I think about things like I read 17 magazine when I was in high school, mm -hmm. that was like the in, the in magazine to read. Right. Yeah. And, and I was a ballerina from the time I was four until I was 21. So I mm -hmm. never personally <laughs> felt the need to make myself thinner than I was. I knew I was never going to be a classic ballerina body because I am too muscular. I I'm just too, I have too much of that tissue for me to ever be rail skinny like a traditional ballerina. So I, I never really paid any attention to that, but there were a lot of girls throwing up in the bathroom mm -hmm. in the changing room. I don't remember it being overt in terms of my instructor ever saying, I mean, she was this beautiful Italian woman that drove a Jaguar that looked like Cruella DeVille's car. That's oh what my it was. And she was 
gorgeous, beautiful black hair. But I mean, this woman had Italian hips and Italian boobs, and she'd had a couple of kids. So she wasn't this little skinny, little tiny thing. She There was an instructor that she had that was tiny and blonde and petite and all of that. But So I never got that message, but there were a lot of girls in that time period when I was there who, you know, we would go, sometimes we would go before ballet class and go and eat an ice cream sundae. And then <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like we but, were all slightly that rebel child too. <laughs> yeah. I remember for before cheer, like a whole slew of us would like run over to Del Taco and get like six chicken soft tacos before between the end of school and when cheer had started. <laughs> And as I far miss as those I know, days. I miss seeing all that all the time. I know. Seriously. So what do you think about the message that we received? And especially, you know, now more so than ever, it still affects women, period, regardless of what your age is, what the marketing is that's out there of the wrinkle creams and the this to, you know, make your skin look better and mm-hmm. do this workout. And especially this time of year, yeah. because mm-hmm. I, I work in a health club, it's all about, I want diet, I want exercise, and they want it all to happen in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like, you didn't get there overnight. It isn't going to go away in two weeks. True. Yeah. So I see all of that. And sometimes it affects me quite a bit just as I get older. It's like, I'm no longer considered the the young ingenue of society. Mm-hmm. And you look at all of that and it's like anti-aging. I hate that word. I really mm-hmm. hate that word. And that everything needs to look perfect and you need to, there's, you shouldn't show your cellulite and there shouldn't be wrinkles. And how do you think that affects women? How, how do you think that affects you? I'm, or maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's yeah, such yeah. a huge topic. That's um, a lot. I, just the phrasing anti-aging in itself is like, well, we are aging. So there's nothing we can do to prevent that or to stop that. And mm-hmm. to kind of make it like more of a personal share when I, so I have like a obsession with the Real Housewives shows <laughs> with like the you Real Housewives. You and my daughter. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. There's a point to this, I promise. And so like, I'm generally like pretty happy and content with the way that I look and like who I am as a woman. And I get in deep watching these shows. And after a few episodes, I'm like Googling plastic surgeons and like trying to figure out how much Botox I should be getting and where I should be putting fillers and if I need a boob job and how many designer bags I need to have, you know, like it gets all up in my head. And then I turn it off and I don't think about it anymore. And like, that's the end of that. But while I'm in it, I'm like, I'm not as good as I could be. I I look at those shows as like giant infomercials for plastic Uh surgery and, you know, all the cosmetic stuff. I mean, I watched, think the ones, the OC ones back in the yeah. early days. Oh, God. But the thing for me that I noticed is that they all started to look the same. Yeah. You know, yeah. they uh, whatever the injections or the surgery or whatever, it, it sort of turns everybody into sort of the same, the same kind person. of face. Mm-hmm. And they lose, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and they, they mm-hmm. lose the character. They lose the expression, all of that. And it's just that I don't have enough vanity to want to have someone poke me full of freaking mm-hmm. Botox or cut mm-hmm. me open for something like that. Go um, ahead. Totally flown out of my head. The freaking sisters, the Kardashians. Kardashians. Yes. 
Let's not talk about that. Don't even say that word near me. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's let's pass that. Yeah. I, I just I just look at what those kids look like yeah. and I think they're not really kids. Mm-mm. No. You know, and, at five, they look like they're in middle school. Mm-hmm. And, actually, you know, I don't want to bring them up, but that actually is a very good point. So I remember growing up like my hair was never done. My outfits never matched. My mom was like, hey, you want to dress yourself? You go for it. I'm not going to force you to, to wear or do your hair or whatever. And I'd say probably up until about middle school, I looked like a homeless child because, oh, you know what I mean? Like my hair was. was the 90s. Like, let's well, get okay, real. Well, okay, it was the 90s. That was the style. But like, really, like I see these three-year-olds with their hair flat iron and their yeah. rainbow hair and their nails are getting done. And I'm yeah. like, when Stop. Did you stop becoming a child and you're again coming back to the sexualization of women right. at an early age like dyeing your child's hair at three and four years old like why why are you doing that I, I, I guess the point is like we're not letting girls be girls we're we're making them we're forcing them to be women earlier and earlier and earlier and yeah. I I'm kind of disgusted by that. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I agree with you completely. And <laughs> and I look at stuff like those pageant shows and everything and mm-hmm. see those little kids and it's like, oh my God, do they mm-hmm. realize what they're doing to their children at, yeah. at such a young age? And they're so impressionable mm-hmm. at that age. But then look at it from the other side. What are we doing to boys? Are we making boys go to the gym and work out at three years old where they have to have a six pack and, mm-hmm. you know, giant giant muscles and all like how the double standard there is like well boys don't have to start doing that early but girls do and i think that that um that's probably a whole nother topic but (laughs) (laughs) well i think sherry from back kind of what you said it's from where i am now in my life right i look at from things i read online from people i find inspiration from when it comes to body image i think you're damned if you do and damned if you don't Totally you're judged. You're, you know, if you wear makeup, they say you shouldn't wear makeup. If you don't wear makeup, you should be wearing makeup. If you're mm-hmm. tall and skinny, you should put on some weight. If you're, you know, a little heavier, a little sandwicher, you need to be skinnier. You know, it's mm-hmm. you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And at this yeah, point, yeah. I mean, the industry is tell is dictating what we should and should not be doing. You know, society is telling us what we should and should not be doing. And it's I'm at the point now where I'm like, I just want to do what makes me happy, right? If I can find, if I can navigate between this like tumultuous place where I can find really what makes me happy and I can, and just separate myself from what, what is being, what I'm being told to do, then I think you've won, right? You found your confidence and you found your self-esteem. Now I encourage people to do what makes them happy, right? So if that means getting a couple Botox injections in your forehead, because that makes you happy, Mm -hmm go for it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you are anti, don't put anything, I don't want injections, then don't do it. Right. But Mm -hmm. you have to, the way I see it is like, you have to be able to make that decision for yourself and separate yourself from what everyone is telling you to do. Yeah. And, and that's not easy. That's like a Herculean task. Yes, it is. Now. And not, and not be judged if you want inundated. And and that's correct. It's like, you know what, if that's down my throat. Yeah. If that's what you want to do, then you knock yourself out. Exactly. My thing is, though, is that mm-hmm. I want women to do it for themselves, yes. not because they're trying to keep a man happy Correct. or keep a man, period. or keep a man, or get a man, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or right? Or so or I, I mean, 
I have a friend that I've known for years and she's had some work done and she doesn't really even look like herself anymore. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I'm happy for her if it makes her feel more confident and she feels better about herself. But on the other hand, I feel like there's something lost along the way. That's from my perspective, not from hers. So well, it's yeah. like when we're I- trying to, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 finish. I was going to say, we're trying to mold ourselves to fit this unattainable image or this image that doesn't even really exist, right? Like everybody has that, like, I need to make it to this level to be happy or whatever it, you know, whatever I need to modify or change about myself to reach that standard that's being dictated by mm, the industry. Thanks, but no thanks. You know, so we're, it's like, we're setting ourselves up for constant failure in my, and that's the way I see it. It's like, now I do things that I, that make me happy, you know, I make choices or I eat things or I don't eat things or I do things to my body that maybe some don't agree with or whatever it is, right? I have tattoos. People are going to be like, you know, people are anti-tattoo and they think it's disgusting or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, like you're, we're constantly having to change who we are or think we have to change who we are to meet this image, this industry standard that doesn't actually exist. And it's because that image is being stuffed down our throats constantly oh yeah tv print all of movies everything and now it's like we can really strive to just make choices that make us happy for ourselves and it's so hard because you want to do it like you're saying for to get a man or to stay in a relationship or because somebody tells you i don't like your hair that way you need to change it you know what i mean fuck off is my response to that (laughs) whatever whatever it is i think it's so hard Certainly. I think to like piggyback off of what you're saying is like we get to choose what we want to do and we can kind of create our own environment that can be a positive place for us to live in. And mm-hmm. I, for me, like the the most simple thing that I did to achieve that was to stop following people on social media that made me feel shitty about myself. Huge. Yes, people, huge. people that I was were jealous of. Whether it was their lifestyle or the way that they looked, people that I was comparing myself to every every time I saw their picture, whether it was them Mm -hmm. doing a yoga pose or a fancy transition or just the way that they look. Anytime I found myself feeling disgusting about myself at what I was seeing, unfollow, block, get rid of it. And that goes Mm -hmm. like, I don't follow celebrities. I don't keep up with the Kardashians. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's who in Hollywood. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't bring it into my environment because I know how that affects me. Kind of in in addition to that, I wanted to talk about filters mm. on like on like Snapchat and Instagram. Oh, yes. And I'm oh, not yes. judging people that use it, but I want to share just a personal story about it where I was like super obsessed, right, with like the filters that made your face look clean and crisp and you had big eyes and big lips. The beauty filters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was using them. This was a couple of years ago. I was using them like insistently, right? And then I would take a picture without it. And I'm like, ew, who, who is that? That's not how I look. That's not me. And I started comparing myself to how I looked with and without the filter. To your filtered self. Yeah. And I like recognized that that was extremely wow. unhealthy. And I have since stopped using those filters because I'm like, that's not, that's not me. Like, why am I even comparing myself to like a pretend image of of me yeah forget about comparing yourself to others yeah now you're comparing yourself to yourself yeah exactly well and yesterday i had so 
I'm trying to do some online yoga classes for my students that can't make it to class. So I'm just, I've been looking for an option for years. And so I checked out playbook yesterday and because they have such intense interest, you have to actually apply. Okay. And a part of that application is they want you to send them a one or a to two minute video about yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't wear makeup very often. So I went to take a video of myself and I thought, am I going to look too old for this platform? And then I was like, fuck it. I'm a 17 year yoga instructor with over 10,000 hours of practical teaching experience. I filmed my own yoga DVD. My students love my classes and that's all I care about. Uh And then last night I posted up some stories onto Instagram about the podcast and everything. And I was sort of in shadow and I looked at it this morning and went, oh my God, my eyes are, look like they're black. <laughs> no, Sherry, Sherry, I saw those stories. I didn't listen to them because I was like laying in bed next to my husband and I try not yeah. to like turn the volume on when I'm doing that. But, um, <laughs> but I, I thought that you looked gorgeous. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, that's just a good point that we judge ourselves. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So oh yes. Yeah. Than yeah. Everyone. Then anyone else judges us. So, I mean, that's a good point too. So let's talk a little bit about your experience in the corporate world. Oh God. (laughs) All right. Let's talk. Have you, have you always worked in it? I have. So I would say starting in at 20. So for a better part of 15 years, um, I've been in it. And when I was 20, I didn't really think too much about my body image because I was still really tiny. Like I was, you know, a size five and 122 pounds and, you know, whatever. And then apparently when you turn 21 and start drinking on a regular basis, the pounds (laughs) pack on. So, so gradually I started getting bigger, but I refused to admit it in my early twenties. And my, one of my girl, my, one of my best girlfriends to this day, she's like, girlfriend, you need to get bigger clothes. Like, I'm sorry, but you're like busting at the seams of like your pants and stuff. And so that's when I started realizing I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't think too much of it. And then when I got into sales and started seeing the other sales girls and sales women in in the industry, I definitely don't fit the mold of a, of a field sales girl or woman because they're very tiny uh, for the most part. And I'm constantly comparing myself to them. So I overcompensate by making sure I know the, what I'm selling inside and out, the technical uh, pieces to it, or obviously humor is a good way to, you know, deflect on your insecurities and get people to laugh and like you. And it's stupid because I know I'm not, I, I know I'm a beautiful woman inside and out, but constantly being reminded that I, I am not as tiny as these beautiful women that I work with, you know, it's kind of hard. Because I started working in the IT field back in the 80s. <laughs> but I wasn't in a forward facing position. I worked in the background and at one point in time was pulling wire and installing networks and doing all that. So I worked mostly with the guys mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was a whole lot less pressure in terms mm-hmm. of that because mm-hmm. I got treated more like one of the guys, mm-hmm. which was fine. Although there was some bro tech there before anybody knew what that word was. <laughs> yeah. uh, and but, I prefer to work with the guys too, by the way, like that seems to go really well when you're not. They were tremendous mentors for me yeah. and, yeah. and saw that I could 
you know, pick up things and learn how to do things and were willing to teach me how to do it. So I have, I have more trouble with women in, in the corporate experiences yes. that I have had than I do with men. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found women to be very cutthroat. They want to backstab you. They're mm-hmm. always trying to get ahead. They want to take credit for your work, mm-hmm. you know, and for me, I don't do well in the corporate world because when it's bullshit, I say it's bullshit and I don't care what your title yes. is. I don't care how much money you make. I don't mm-hmm. care what sex you are. You know what? If you're telling me something and I know that it's bullshit, I'm going to call you on your bullshit. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm the exact same way. And I think what's interesting too um, is again, the double standard uh, oh, yes. in, in, any, in any industry, I'm sure, but in IT specifically, like the executive men in IT, for the most part that I've worked with, they're not like, I don't know, Ryan Reynolds built, right? Like they're not like the hottest thing. <laughs> Most of them are. Bread. They, yeah. They yeah. Beer bellies. They, <laughs> you know, they're, they, they don't, I mean, they, they're not ugly people, but you know what I mean? Like they, they don't have the same body image issues as like, for me, if I look up to the women in IT that are CEOs for the most, you know, which are like five, but there's, they're a lot, they fit the mold of like, you know, they're constantly at the gym, they're constantly working out, they're the perfect Mm -hmm. woman, they juggle four kids, they juggle their jobs, they juggle making sure that they're eating healthy. I mean, the standard that they at least project outward is so overwhelming (laughs) to me that I'm like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to achieve that. But coming back to your earlier point is like women are so cutthroat and awful to each other in the corporate world. I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. And I think the biggest one is there are so few opportunities for women to Mm -hmm. advance that they, they see it for themselves. If they have a goal set, they have to tear everyone else down around them in order to get there. And I just, uh, I hate that very, very much. I hate that. (laughs) In Jenna's interview that's live today, we talked about a book that I read called Good and Mad by Rebecca Traister. Mm -hmm. And it was such an enlightening book to, I listened to it on Audible. And there were times I had to turn it off because I would get so fired up and be so pissed off that it was like, okay, I need to take a couple of deep breaths and come back to my center a little bit. But it talks about how women are not allowed to be angry. They're not allowed to be too smart. They're not allowed to be too creative. They're especially in the corporate arena. She was, that was the example she was talking about. And, you know, I remember being called a bitch and a ball buster and the bossy blonde woman and the broad told me that I couldn't do so-and-so and got to the point where I was like, yeah, let me stand up because Mm -hmm. you're just a little bit shorter than I am. And I got my heels on today. So I'm going to stand up and look down on you and say, no, fuck no, you can't do that. Fuck no, (laughs) exactly. That that is interesting as well. And I can't wait to listen to your podcast uh, this morning, this week. But yeah, there is such a double standard, um, not just in body image, but in the way that women are. I've definitely been accused of being a bitch. I've been accused of being, I'm too passionate. Don't rock the boat. You make people feel unsafe. And I'm like, well, why do I make people feel unsafe? Because I'm calling out your shit. You know, if I was yeah, a man, I would be getting exactly. fucking promoted. So it's their, own insec- it's, it's their own insecurities. It's all just reflections mm-hmm. of themselves. Totally. Well, <laughs> it is. And and if you if you have the pretty package that looks like the the Barbie doll bathing suit model or whatever it is, the fitness model, mm-hmm. then it, it makes it easier for them to deal with you because they can put you in a little box and mm-hmm. they can then box you in and treat you in a certain way and they expect you to take it. And it's like, you know, no. 
That's and when they find one that me. doesn't take it because you know she doesn't take that bullshit, then they don't know what to do with you. If they, if well, you that's that's correct. Box. And it, it took yeah. me a long it took me a while to get to that point. I mean, there was a long time when I was I was young. I mean, I was in my twenties, and so I mm-hmm. wasn't quite as mouthy as I am now. But <laughs> it's interesting to me to watch that happen. And Jenna, I'm going back to your point that you made about watching, you know, the housewives on TV or following people on social media that made you feel bad about yourself mm-hmm. and realizing that you knew that that really wasn't the correct thing. But what it makes me think of is like somebody shooting paintballs at you. They're just, it's just this continual mm-hmm. process of things hitting your body, hitting your mind, hitting mm-hmm. your psyche and all of that. And after a while, it gets a little hard to keep deflecting all of mm-hmm. those things and to not fall into the habit of saying, I'm not thin enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not del-. For me, it was, you know, I'm never going to be a little tiny Tinkerbell. Totally. Yeah. Yep. I'm 5'11". I wear a size 11 shoe. I, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be a little tiny Tinkerbell. I can palm a basketball. It's, that's just <laughs> the way it is. I, I look at stuff like that and I think I just want to for someone to see me as intelligent, as mm-hmm. well-spoken, as someone who has an open mind. I try really hard to try and listen to what someone else has to say and not immediately make a judgment. Mm-hmm. But it, there are days when it's just like, you know what? I'm just like, I am defeated here. I, yeah. You know, I look in the mirror and go, what's with these love handles mm-hmm. after 50 thing? Mm-hmm. And can I still wear leggings? And then I'm like, you know what? I've come to the conclusion that I want to keep teaching yoga till I'm in my 90s and I want to be buried in my cowboy boots and my flashy, stretchy pants. Well, I just wanted to know, like, Sherry, you had said, like, after a while, you like don't re- you don't know how much longer you can take the beating, right? The it being shoved down your throat on like this image you're supposed to portray. So I'm curious because for me, I've I've given a lot of thought about this because I've been asked, like, how do you gain that that strength to know that like you don't need to fall into that trap or to like be confident in yourself and in your own image so i'm curious like how if you can even name it the three of you have like come past that like how you've come past the like well no this is me this is what you get and i'm not going to conform to the image or the type of person that you want me to be and it's kind of like a loaded question but no but I would say it probably happened to me in my 30s. And I got to a point where I was far enough along in my career. My daughter was no longer a baby. She was, you know, she was about 10. So I would say about 34, maybe. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm damn good at what I do. Mm -hmm. I was working at a startup airline with a lot of pilots who, you know, one, think they're God, and two, are very, very in that whole masculine thing. Mm -hmm. And I watched them treat the data entry people like shit. I watched them treat some of the flight attendants like shit. And so I started speaking up and Mm -hmm. that was the point in time for me where I went, 
you know what? If you can speak up for these other women and you see what's going on, then you can stand tall for yourself. And that was really when it hit me was like, I don't have to take this. I don't have to sit Mm -hmm. down. I don't have to shut my mouth. I don't have to slink into the corner. I can stand up. I can be proud. I can be tall and I can speak my truth. And if I lose my job, then I wasn't meant to work there in the first place. Yeah. And that was the light bulb moment for me. I love that story. Yeah, that's good. That How about you? I would say you guys are catching me at a really <laughs> awkward time in my life where my confidence isn't very high, quite frankly. And Why? so, you know, that story just touched me in a really personal way. I feel, you know, I had this job that I loved deeply and um, a tribe of people at this job that I loved deeply. And I just could not get along with my manager. And so I had to leave. And that shook me when I was like, okay, well, what can I do differently? What do I need to be doing differently? And I'm asking my mentors and I'm asking people in my professional career, like, what should I be doing differently so that I don't find myself in this situation again? And they're like, well, you know, you make sometimes make people feel unsafe, some, you know, going through all the things that I've talked about. And so now I'm trying to reassess my confidence, not just about my body, um, because I'm not happy with it. But I think it all starts from within. And so this year, I've been on this journey to try to find myself and my true voice again. And I think that I, I guess therapy, as we're talking today, which was unexpected, but I think, you know, I think I've been trying so hard to try to force myself into a world that I don't belong in that I'm trying to find my place outside of it. And so I, I wish I had the magic bullet answer to your question, sister, but I, um, I'm kind of, sh- I'm shook right now, but I'm inspired to listen to your guys' stories. So well, here, here's, okay. what, here's what, I, oh, here's what oh. I'm going to tell you. One, I don't want you to think that it's something wrong with you, that you need to change because that's the wrong attitude to have. You are who you are. If you're coming from a place of authenticity, you know that you have the information, the intelligence, the skill level, whatever it is to be able to back yourself up. That's all you need to have. And what you need to do is you need to find the right space for you that appreciates who you are, your capacity, your ability to do a good job and the ability to be able to stand up for yourself and speak your truth. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, I'll tell you, I'm 57 years old and I bumped up against that wall more times than I ever want to tell you. (laughs) Right. There are days when I feel like I am bruised, battered and bloody because I've hit that brick wall so many times. But there Mm -hmm. are other times where I've gotten through and somebody has actually said, okay, or I appreciate Mm -hmm what you said, or change their perspective. You know, sometimes I've had to fight tooth and nail to get there. But I, when you said I, I wanted to know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, there needs to be some level of self-awareness to make sure that you are communicating in a way that people can hear you. But there are going to be times that no matter what you say or how you say it, those people are not going to be able to communicate on the same level that you are. They either don't hear what you say or they don't understand it. And there's, you know, nothing you can do. And that makes me think of the, <laughs> the phrase of, you know, don't try and, and explain it to everybody because you're not the jackass whisperer. <laughs> so, that's a great joke. That's a that's great thing. I'm going to have fabulous. to keep that one. <laughs> so, so what I want you to really be focused on is I want you to think about what you love about what you do what you feel are your strong points, the things that you bring to the table that are unique to you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to truly sit down and think about that. And then to think about, are you, are you working? I know you just moved. Are you working yet? 
I am. Yeah. So my company that I'm with now they're they let me transfer to Seattle. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Instead of, you know, I took all of those tests of, you know, learn what your strengths are and figure out what your weaknesses are. And it took until I went to work at Washington mutual to work for a boss who said, okay, now we know what this is. I'm going to put you in projects and doing things that make, take advantage of your strengths. And we're not going to talk about getting better where you're weak that we'll right. have someone else fill in those spaces where, where you're not as strong because mm -hmm. I don't care That's what anybody great. tells you, mm -hmm. you can never truly overcome all of those weaknesses. Sure. And it becomes this thing, especially for women where we beat ourselves up. I'm not good mm -hmm. enough. I'm not mm -hmm. smart enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not that <laughs> enough. And then that starts to be reflected in how we look at ourselves in the mirror. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And so I would just tell you to just be very clear with your communications to try. And when you're a powerful woman, <laughs> it sometimes makes it hard to remember that even though what you are trying to communicate is something that is what you feel is common sense or is for the good of the whole, that sometimes that can be very threatening to other people. I've had to learn to be able to learn how to soften what I say sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've had to learn to be careful with some of my gestures because I talk a lot with my hands and sometimes that's very forceful. My and I, My face says it all. <laughs> oh yeah, I, 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 I'm not a good poker player. And, <laughs> and sometimes just my physical size, when I walk mm -hmm. into a room or if I stand up or whatever that is, that it's very intimidating to people and I can't change my size. I think you just have to really focus on the things that are your strength. And, and not, I don't want you to ever, ever say to yourself, what am I doing wrong? Unless yeah. you truly feel that you, you've gone, oh shit, I fucked up and I made a huge mistake here mm -hmm. and, and figure out what that was. But yeah. truly just embrace who you are, be positive with who you are, dig into those strengths keep doing your thing and supporting yourself, supporting other women, do the things outside of work that, that fuel your soul and your heart and everybody else can fuck off as far as <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bentley, how about you? Now that we just did yeah. five minutes of therapy. Well, I have, me. I have two things. You're right. I want to piggyback off what you just said with everybody, fuck everybody else kind of comment. One of my first jobs out of college, I was working as a committee director for for the Maryland House of Delegates. And I worked for a very, very powerful chairwoman. So this was a huge role model when I was 20, 21. Um, she was the longest standing female legislator in Maryland. So one day we were had just finished a really long day. Actually, I think we had more to do, but we were in her office and we closed the door and we made ourselves around. Okay, I was 21 because we made ourselves a round of gin martinis. <laughs> and she literally, we all go to cheers and she goes, Here's to those who wish us well and all the rest can go to hell. And I looked oh, at this like 75-year-old woman and I was just blown away by her power and her ability to not take shit from people. I mean, this That's was it. the longest standing female legislator in the state. And mm -hmm. I was just, I'm very grateful that I had that opportunity to work for her because I really think she set a good platform for me with things that I've done over the past decade. But Back to that's your awesome. question, Jenna. That just made me think of it. I wanted to share yeah, that. I love that. I think that's just, it. It, is, it is stuck with me for 10 years. But Jenna, kind of back to your question. I think I was quite 
fortunate when I was younger, right? When we're in middle school and high school, right? What do we always want to do? We want to fit in with the popular crowd, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we're like trained to do. We want to be part of the, you know, with the popular girls. We want to, we have to, we change ourselves to fit in with them, right? And every school has it. My school had it. I was rejected by the popular girls. I was not the popular. I was not in the popular crowd. I was kind of the weirdish kid. I didn't play typical sports like I mentioned. You know, I was a horseback rider. It was weird when I was young, you know, all these things. And I went through the normal reactions that kids have. Why don't I fit in? Why don't they like me? You know, what do I need to change to make them like me? And at one point, I literally went to hell with them. I don't care. Whatever Mm -hmm. that I had that like pivotal shift in my approach. And I go, I don't need you. I don't actually, I don't want to be friends with you guys. Because if you don't want to be friends with me, I don't want to be friends with you. So I didn't really feel that need to modify who I was to make them like me. And I think that's stuck with me through all through my teenage years, all Mm -hmm. through my 20s. And I think That is what got me through, again, my big life change. I'm divorced. I'm with a woman now. I mean, obviously, I've been through some pretty tremendous changes. And I think that attitude, that perspective that I carried with me all these years is what got me through that because I never really felt like I needed to change who I was to make others happy, right? So when it comes to body image or when it comes to you know, looking at myself in the mirror, I have days where I look in the mirror and I'm like, I hate what I see, you know, and that's normal. I don't, you know, we can't, I'm not a person that's like, I'm going to be happy 24 hours a day, or I'm going to love everything I see 24 hours a day. That's not realistic, honestly. (laughs) I might have to punch you if you were. Right? I'm not. I'm not one of those people. (laughs) There are those people, and I think they're lying to themselves, but that's a whole different thing. Totally lying. Um, That's called delusional, but that's called delusional. And there's, and I, but I find myself like pumping myself up when I'm like, go through those waves or those days where I feel like shit or I feel like I look like shit or whatever it is. But at the root of it, I don't lose who I am, right? I don't, yeah. I never really succumb to the need to force myself to change. I've made changes because I wanted to. And I think mm-hmm. if we continue to work on finding, like just staying true to what makes you happy Yes. And not having to mod, like, I just don't want to change who I am to make you happy. If you don't like me, here's like 15 year old Bentley again. If you don't like me, bye. I don't care. If you don't like the way I look, that's your problem. I know I'm Mm -hmm. a good person. And like you said, like, I'm a good woman. I care about people. I'm kind. I'm considerate. I have my bad days. I'm normal. But I definitely try to be my best self because I want it to be for me, not because I want to do it for, because other people are telling me to be who Mm -hmm. they think I should be. Right. And how long will that last? And I think it's a really powerful tool. I think the more women can try to find that fire within them and quiet the shit that we're getting constantly 24 hours a day from everybody else, then we can find that confidence, find that self-esteem and carry Mm -hmm. that through work, you know, through friends, every, you know, in all aspects of our lives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Laura Hyman last week for yeah. podcast and I asked her what she felt that women that she felt that women should know in their life more about. Mm-hmm. And she said that we should be 
cheering each other on, yeah. supporting each other, that without question, that there should never even be a question about supporting another woman. Mm -hmm. As long as right. she's doing something that, you know, is good and, and not what we would consider to be bad or, or something mm -hmm. like that. But she was just like, you know, there should not be a question. We should be cheering each other on. We should be celebrating each other. We should, those are things that we should be doing every day for each other as women and that mm -hmm. don't happen. And so for me, that is a part of the reason that this whole platform came into being was to create connection and community and space mm -hmm. for women to actually share how they feel, to share their stories without any sort of censorship, without having to feel like they're being judged. Cause you know what? I've had it all. I've been too little, too much, too this, too that most of my life. And I know what that feels like. And my thing is, is like, just be, you're never going to be able to change yourself to, enough to make everyone happy. And what happens is then you end up being miserable. Yeah. And I spent way too many years of my life miserable and I'm never going back to that fucking place ever again. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think that it's so important that we share with each other, that we hold each other in esteem and value and worth for no other reason than we show up every day and we speak from our heart and we admit that we're not perfect because nobody's fucking perfect. It doesn't mm -hmm. exist and it's mm -hmm. boring as hell. Right. So that's the biggest piece for me is that this is all about celebrating our, our successes, picking each other up when we, when we fall down. Yeah. Because it's always going to be our turn to need picking up. So mm -hmm. there it is. Right. There it is. Right. And, th and there's always going to be somebody out there who's gone through something similar that you have that can mm -hmm. give you one little nugget of wisdom that maybe changes the whole picture for you. Yeah. And so those are the things I just want to remember. It's just like we talk about the sexualization of girls starting so young and how they don't do that for boys and all of these things that we have experienced over our life that it brings shame, it brings guilt, it brings the I'm not enough or I'm too little of this or I'm too much for that or whatever it is. And we never just get to be who we are. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My thing is, is rock it, you know, whatever it is, rock whoever you are and your tribe is going to find you and those yes. people will be there through mm -hmm. you through the thing. And that's yeah. all. I agree. Your tribe will Amen, find you. Sister. Amen, sister. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up so we can keep everybody engaged, hopefully through the <laughs> <laughs> I so thank you all for making the time to be here. This is one of my favorite things to do with the podcast is to have you guys come and, and talk about all of this stuff that we live through as women every day mm -hmm. and to be so honest and open is, is incredible to me because not everybody can do that. So mm -hmm. I know for some of you, I'm not going to name names. This was a big place for you to step outside of your comfort zone to be here. And I have to say that you are all rock stars. <laughs> thank you. And thank, thank you for uh, thank you. allowing me to join thank today. You. I appreciate it. Uh, happy you were here and we're have to come back again so anytime um, i'm an open book so anytime <laughs> careful what you wish for that's why we love you <laughs> you're here in seattle we have to do a meetup in person so. yes we do we absolutely should all right, all right so ladies have a great friday for this month and we'll be back next month with another topic and hopefully we will share some wisdom if not we'll have a good laugh and everybody can laugh with us love it Thanks love it again. Thank, Thank you. you.